You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Hey mentors, just a reminder about the You Can Mentor book. It's titled You Can Mentor, How to Impact Your Community, Fulfill the Great Commission and Break Generational Curses. The whole point of this book is to equip and encourage mentors with new tools and ideas on how to make the most of their mentor-mentee relationship. If you're a mentor, hey, go pick it up. And if you're a mentoring organization, pick some up for all of your mentors. If you would like to order mass copies, like more than 20, send an email to me, zach at youcanmentor.com, and we will get you guys a special price. But go and pick up that book. It's good. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Joshua Manning. You definitely have heard my voice for like the last six weeks. If you if you don't know who I am at this point, like you need to just go back and listen to the last six weeks of episodes because I have done a summer takeover. I'm taking over the podcast for the summer. And I just, I had some ideas that I wanted to run with and didn't actually bother to ask Zach or John. I just kind of did it. And then they, they loved the idea when they found out. And so I'm just running with that. So today we have somebody very special in the house. We got Holden Royals. Hello, hello. He is one of our grade coaches in the K through six program at Forerunner Mentoring, just like a few other coaches that have been on the, on the podcast. But yeah, you know, as you know, we're, we're just going through and asking our, our coaches why they mentor because, well, it's a, it's a part-time job and yeah. it doesn't pay super well. Yeah. So there's got to be some kind of why behind that. Yes. Otherwise yes. we wouldn't be doing it. So mm. just quick synopsis, you know, I'm the junior high site lead. I work with the junior high boys and right. in Forerunner, Holden is in the K through six. So right. I really don't get to see you very often. Correct. Yeah. It's really only beginning or end of the day. Yeah. Beginning or end of the day. And maybe that's even only a couple times a week because, yeah. Yeah. you know, you guys get there before we do and oh, usually we get there at three right? outside of staff prayer, which right. is really when we see each other. Right. right. But yeah, we get there at three, you get there at like two, two fifteen, Right. And so you guys are usually by the time we get there, you guys are already on the van out picking right. kids up. So yeah. maybe there's that like brief 30 seconds of drop off where we grab one of the vans to go over right. to the junior high. But then, you know, at the end of the day, like we, we technically end at the same time at 6 PM yeah but we're also at the junior high and we have to run a van route for the kids right. going home. Whereas all your, all y'all's kids get picked up. Right. And so we don't usually get back until six thirty, six forty-five. Right. And this last year though, there have been a, a, quite a few of those days where we, that's were, true. We there were, were still there. <laughs> there were definitely a few of those days where yeah. you, where y'all were still there and we're, we'd pull into the parking lot and be like, Oh, they're still yeah. here. Cool. Yeah. So we'd park the van and pop in the drop keys off and just hang out for right. a good 10, 15 minutes. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it was just a kid was, you know, their, their parent was late picking them up and right. you guys were just hanging out. Or sometimes you guys were like debriefing or doing highs yeah. and lows or something like that. And playing four square. Playing four. Oh yeah. Four square, man. <laughs> Very intense amongst the coaches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it, is it always that intense 
during program when y'all are playing or is it a lot more like chill fun laid back and then the competitiveness comes out after all the kids have left i mean it's pretty it's pretty chill and laid back unless which happened a lot this last year <laughs> unless some of the boys are very very serious about foursquare and we expanded it to nine square. Oh, wow. Which is a lot of, like, in the last couple of weeks. Is it nine yeah. square or is it eight square with a I guess nine? It's, yeah, I guess it's eight square. There's a Because that middle square... Right, we don't play it because right. it'd, be, it'd be impossible. Right, that kid would have to be turning around right. 360 all right. the time, keeping track of that ball. Right, there's, yeah, there's no way to be in the middle square, at least the way that we're playing it. And I don't even, I know that it's a game before we started playing it. Right. But, so we expanded to that and the kids loved that. And so that was a lot of fun, but sometimes the boys in the mix of, you know, having a lot of fun get very, get very aggressive and competitive. And so So Taj and I, Taj, another coach and I, who I have fourth and fifth grade and he has fifth and sixth grade. And so we have the older boys. You split fifth grade? I believe so. To my, to my understanding. Or is yours third and fourth? No, because Jamari's second and third. Right. right. So So you split fifth. Right. Half of fifth grade, which they designate as like. Boys who are more mature are going up with Coach Taj in fifth and sixth grade. Gotcha. And so the other ones are who need down, a little right, more growth. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. Are back with me, and so we run in a cohort, and we're very similar in the sense that when so, that starts happening, when the when the competitiveness from the boys starts happening, it's kind of like, all right, I guess we're, I guess we're going to be competitive today, because if the boys beat you at anything for too long. Yeah, it gets to their head, and that's and that true. cannot be happening. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I know. I've definitely had. <laughs> experiences with that where like I've changed the way in which I play the games, whether it's usually it's basketball, right? right? Cause junior high students right. just love, all they care about. That's right. all they care about is basketball. They don't even care about the video games. Like the yeah. highlight of their program this year, I kid you not was when we started going to the gym every day <laughs> as opposed to three yeah. days a week. Yeah. We had students who literally would only show up on gym days. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause they just wanted to go to the gym. Right. right and play right. basketball. And like, I, I have to adapt my playing style based off of who I'm playing with. Exactly. So yeah. my first year, our first year, cause you've been here the same, roughly the same amount of time that I have. Okay. Right. You, you got hired in 20 the spring of 2021. Yeah. yeah. And I got hired fall of 2020. I was no, there the 2022 whole... actually. Cause this is, yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's twenty twenty three. Right. And I got I hired on. fall of 2021. So I was there okay. for the, that first semester, but then you came on in the middle. Right. right. But like that year we had a kid who was an eighth grader and he loved playing basketball, but he was also like half my size. Yeah. Right. And for the record, I'm six, four. Yeah. Right. I'm not small. Yeah. He was like half my size. And at the time we were at the, in the student ministry building, which has its own little like basketball cage, which is right. basically the size of a key. Right. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, fairly it's small. very small. And every time we'd play, he, you know, and like, especially if I'd like get right up on him and, and block his shots, yeah. without having to foul him yeah. because he literally could not shoot over me. <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's not fair. Like you're twice my size and yada, yada, yada. And I'm right. like, yeah. And yeah. so with him, I learned that I had to like, I had to back up and give him right. about three feet right, so that he could make those shots. Right. But I would only do that for a while because then he, he starts would, winning. He start, well, yeah, he would start winning, but he would also get really cocky about <laughs> yeah. it. 
And I'm just like really super arrogant about it and be like, he's like, you know, I'm the goat, I'm the man, whatever. And I'm sitting there going in my head. Yeah. Because I'm letting you win. I literally like, so every once in a while I would like, you know, I'd let him win for a little while. And then I'd be like, let's just remind him that he's only winning because I'm letting him win. (laughs) And so I would like actually play hard and not hard, but like play Right. A legit more game, yeah, a more serious game of basketball right. and guard him and just, you know, for three or four shots in a row, just swat the ball away and, yeah. you know, just kind of, re- and then back up again and just right. kind of remind him like, no, it's all, yeah, it's a lot of the same thing. And in, in the younger, in the K through six program, the boys create rules yeah. for like, they want to, one of the boys, I one V one, almost every day was like, Hey, one V one me, one V one me. And, but all of that was with the caveat of you can't, do any layups. You can't dunk, which I say you dunk. can't do any layups or dunk. I can't do any layups or dunk, but he can, but he can, <laughs> but that's because the goal is like probably seven feet. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's, it's not tall at all, but I, we, I'm not allowed to, to dunk or do layups. So I can only shoot from a certain distance away and I'm not allowed to, to play up on him defense like you were talking about. Yeah. And those are like the rules. Yeah. Those are the rules because otherwise it's they they don't want to play because it's not fun for them right. to just you know like you were saying like that kid was half your size mm-hmm. and I'm six two large guy as well and most of the boys are like four feet tall yeah and well so, especially for K three six especially for K three there are definitely some right. junior high students who are as big as me right a hundred percent and so for yeah for K through six it's it's all of that but then there are also some K through six kids that are legitimately good at basketball and so. There were definitely times this last year where games got away from me, where I started like back, not playing very hard. Yeah. And then they got so far ahead that, that you couldn't come yeah, back. Yeah. There's like, yeah, I would, I would try harder, but they were already so far ahead and they would just make some, they would make crazy shots. I'm not, yeah, honestly. It's true. And a couple of them were legitimately very good. Yeah. So that was always fun to hear about for, the next three days after that happened was how was, you got crossed right, up or whatever crushed by yeah. a fourth grader, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. That's but, a thing. but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of the same. Well, it's that, but it's also like we in junior high, we have, we have some students who are legit good at basketball. Right. right? And they actually rise to the challenge, right? Yeah. Like there are some students that JT and I have played like two on two, two. Honestly, there have been some games that we've done like two on five. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, it's been students versus coaches kind right, of game. Right. And those are the games that get ridiculous. Right, right. <laughs> like those are the ones that are hard because it's like one, especially two on five. It's like, we only, we right. don't have a it's whole lot so of much defense you can do there that, but it's also like, there's only so much offense you can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. JT's good at basketball. Yeah. He's terrible yeah. at passing the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's doing all of these like, moves to try and cross up the students right. and usually he can get around them, right. but it's also just like, it gets exhausting really yeah. fast. No, and some imagine. of these kids, like I said, are really, really good. Yeah. And even on a two on two game, like JT and I could play as hard as we wanted and they would not complain at all. They, yeah. they actually le- like legitimately enjoyed the challenge right. because in, the, I think in their mind it became like, if we can win, that makes this all the much sweet, like right, this victory right. all the much sweeter. And then when you get to really rub it in yeah, their face yeah, for, exactly. for, you know, three, four days a week, whatever. Yeah. And then of course there's the staff versus students game right. that we were invited to. 
and the staff just completely destroyed the students, <laughs> right? And these, the students not being forerunner students, like right. Lake Highlands Junior High does a legit like staff versus students game. And yeah. so the the staff or the, the teachers will face off versus, I think it's the boy, eighth grade That's boys cool. basketball team. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. we were invited to join them for the game awesome. and be in the game. And yeah, that game was a blowout. It was like 65 <laughs> to 12 or 18 Goodness or something gracious. like that. It was no mercy. Yeah, there was no Come mercy on. on that. Goodness. But yeah, it's it, it's that kind of thing. And I think all of that just boils down to like, we know our kids, right? right? We right. know... We know our kids, we know what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, yeah. and we ad- we adapt and adjust what we're doing yeah. based off of that. Right. And I know that we do that in the junior high. I know you guys do it in K through six because yeah, sure. every it's, it feels like every week I come over there and hang out for even 10 minutes at the end of program. Yeah. Like the operating procedure is totally different because right. right. it's adapting. Right, right. Right. So that is a very long winded intro that <laughs> doesn't tell us anything about Holden, but that's, that's right. okay. That's We're talking right. about mentoring. So yeah. yeah, Holden, let's, let's jump into this. Who is Holden? Like give us the, the 30,000 foot view, paint us a picture. Yeah. Who is Holden Royals? Right. In terms of a person mentoring, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm currently a seminary student at reformed theological seminary here in Dallas. They have a bunch of different campuses but I'm going to their Dallas campus, getting my master's in divinity because I feel called to the pastorate. I feel called to be a pastor. That's a fairly, fairly recent thing. I'm not a person who has felt called to that for my whole life. And my faith wasn't particularly strong, though I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. But currently a student at Reformed Theological Seminary, obviously at, at Forerunner in the afternoons, I have been married for, it was four years in May. And so my wife and I, her name's Cheyenne, she is a teacher in Richardson and she teaches fifth grade currently. We okay. got married after our junior year of college in the summer, which was great because that was right before COVID hit. And so if we had waited a year and mm, finished college, yeah. then it would have been a mess. It would have yeah. been a mess to say the least. <laughs> that would uh, be complicated. Right, right. But that was, that was Obviously, a huge shift, a huge change in my life was was getting married, and, yeah. and there's a lot that went into that. But went to Washington Baptist for my undergraduate in music business. Music uh, business, right? Okay. Right. So did a lot of that's a switch from divinity. Yeah, no, very very different. Again, didn't I mean I didn't feel called to ministry until probably roughly three years ago. Okay, but did production and different music work in yeah. college. A lot of fun, enjoyed it, but wrapped a lot of self-identity up in that and Mm -hmm. and being successful in that, that made it, I mean, I I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more if I wasn't banking on it as far as like feeling good about myself and on my career and you know, all that kind of stuff. I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So doing, did that in college and man, most of my, most of my life has been shaped by, by men and Mm -hmm. mostly by men who were, supposed to be mentors or or important in my life and just kind of didn't do that. <laughs> but but that's I mean, as you kind of mentioned way earlier, you know, in the in the introduction, kind of the the reason that or the one of the reasons that I ended up at Forerunner was because was because I I lacked a father figure in my life. He was, mm. you know, I lived with him and he was around, but 
he wasn't he, really there right, or right. engaged. And, right. He wasn't engaged. There was domestic abuse in the home. And so there was just a lot of stuff growing up that made it so my father and I were not very close. And when mm. we were in the same room, there was a lot of animosity there. And so as I, you know, grew up trying to work through all of that stuff, yeah. you know, there were, there were a handful of men that were there for some time, but I never really had a, had a, a consistent mentor or consistent father figure. And so when I heard about forerunning forerunner from a fan, a friend of mine and heard that there was a, a ministry that was solely focused on raising up Christ-like young men whose father figures were absent in their life at a young age, it, it hit super close to home yeah. and was, I just didn't know that people were doing that. And so yeah. that was a huge part of that. But yeah, the 30,000 foot view is, is feel called to be a pastor married, excited to be in seminary, excited to be at forerunner. Yeah. Um, doing my best to love my wife and, and love the boys and be diligent in schoolwork, preparing for, for being a pastor. Right. When that comes about. Yeah. I love that. So, I, one, I know, like I knew that you were in seminary just because we worked together, right, right. but you know, that's, that's also been, I think a, a big blessing for like staff prayer and things mm. like that is that both you and Joel, like know, y- y'all know the Bible better than probably anybody else on our staff. That's very good. And that's very good. Well, but it's also true. I mean, how many times has Stephen been like, what's that one verse? This, this, <laughs> Either you or Joel would be like, it's yeah, I think Joel, I think Joel's much farther along in that right. than I am, but uh, but I appreciate at that. least in being able to like off the bat, just be like, yeah, it's Philippians one, four yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I've noticed was while that, while you didn't necessarily like have those Bible references quite ready to go mm-hmm. based off of what somebody else was right. sensing. Yeah. You had in, in many of the staff prayers, you, you would bring like a fresh perspective to a story, right? right? That maybe right. you had been studying right. in school or in your quiet yeah. time or whatever, yeah. but you would be like, we would go into staff prayer and you're like, we're praying over a specific theme for the day. And you're like, this ties in really well with this yeah. thing that I was studying. And right. then you would go on a whole like five minute explanation yeah. of how that applies. And that was for me, that was always really encouraging yeah. because it's like, Oh, like this is how, okay, this is how a story in the old Testament that, you right. know, I, I sometimes struggle to like dive in deeper than surface right. level, especially with those stories, right? right? Things in the new Testament where it's, you know, Paul being like, do this, do this, do right, this. And right. I'm like, okay, that's easier because right. it's, he's commanding us to do this. How do, how do I apply right. that in today's circumstances? Right. But like drawing the parallels between, right. Oh, David is whatever, right? Hiding in a cave, and <laughs> this applies to my life this way, that way. I'm like, yeah, that I struggle with, yeah. but I, I, you have been able to do that really, really well yeah. and consistently. And so that's been really cool to be encouraged by those. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, I think that's something I'm passionate about in the sense that kind of what you're talking about falls into the realm of, of systematic theology and understanding theology in the Bible in a systematic way that helps you make sense of, like you were talking about old, old Testament stories that you can kind of get lost in the weeds and because there's so much history, there's so much to read and understand. And so it's, many genealogies, right? So many genealogies, so many old people and all, you know, talking about things in a way that, that we wouldn't talk about them today. Um, right. And so, yeah, a huge passion of mine is definitely the way, the way that, 
Old Testament stories and, and New Testament as well fit into this systematic understanding of, of who God is and, and what he's doing in the world. Mm-hmm. Herman Bavink, which is a theologian from a couple of hundred years ago, maybe just a hundred years ago, can't exactly remember. Anyway, reading one of his books called The Wonderful Works of God, and he talks about that our understanding of who God is, is, is nestled in between the meeting place of his nature and what he does. Um, mm. And so a lot of times people, people love the Lord for what he's done, which is not necessarily wrong. He's, he's obviously done amazing uh, things. Yeah, yeah, he's he's given us his son. He he blesses us every day. He holds the universe together by the by the word of his power and and, and yet what Bavink says later in that chapter is that the 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 goal is to go from I love the Lord because of what you've done, you what you've done to I love the Lord because he is the Lord. Um, yeah. loving loving him for what he what he is and who he is. And so, like you were saying in staff prayer, there there are a lot of times where because of the way my mind works, I, I enjoy looking at the way a verse fits into the grand scheme, like this, the stuff that is hard to think about, the way that all of that fits together is a huge part of where my mind goes with a lot of different verses, which I think is why, why I love Romans, particularly Romans 8, and, and why I love Ephesians 1. And, and there are a lot of these j- different chapters that paint God's purpose for humanity in a light that is so big that I struggle to, to fathom exactly what's going on. And yet it, mm-hmm. it draws me in to, to do my best. <laughs> really. right. And so I, I think the Lord has, has given me a, the, a kind of obsessive personality in the sense that once I'm hooked on something, it's really hard for me to, to get away from it. And, and that thing for the last three years since that, that revival of my faith in my life has mm-hmm. been the sovereignty of God and, and, and what he's doing in the world. And so that I think that plays into kind of why my mind immediately goes to, I, you know, I read this this morning, it's yeah. Wednesday, we have meeting. How does this apply to, to this thing we're talking about? And inevitably, you know, because the whole Bible is meant for our instruction and our reproof and our rebuking and, and shaping us into who we're supposed to be, inevitably we're talking about the boys in some way. Right. And... And so the what like everything in the Bible in some way is applicable to what it means to grow up to be a, a godly man, right. uh, because you know we are we're told to, to heed heed the words of the Lord. We're told that to seek uh, wisdom. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That like so what it means to be a godly man and to grow up into a godly man because we're talking about the boys so often. And and my first place to look for any kind of wisdom is the Bible. It usually ends up working well together. Right. That like it fits somehow. It's, I, it's I, almost like God has a plan right, for that, right? right. It's <laughs> almost like there's all of our days are planned out and he's known them before all of eternity or something, something I don't to, know. That, to that effect. God's all knowing. Yeah. Who knew, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's, uh, it's awesome to get to share with y'all. And it's, it's really encouraging to me to hear that God has used that. And that's been impactful yeah. for you. And um, impactful for anyone else that hears, you know, I, I think that, you know, with God calling me to be a pastor and one of the main reasons is that there have been preachers who have greatly impacted my life to mm-hmm. hear that anything I'm saying about the Bible is helpful to anyone else is, is a, is a blessing and an encouragement to hear. Right. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Not a problem. I have, man, I have diverging paths I want to go down <laughs> and I hate it when that happens. Yeah. The first one I wanted to say was 
Well, it was actually just a question because I've kind of forgot what the other one is at the yeah. moment, but we'll get there. <laughs> the The first one is a question is like, you, you were talking about like looking or systematic theology, right? right? And looking right. at kind of the Bible holistically and the story it tells right. across the Bible. Right. And so I guess I'm curious there is like when you when you do your quiet times, when you right. are in the word, when you're meditating on it, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, like what is your process there? Is it, yeah. do you have like just a, Oh, I sense the Lord is calling me to go read this thing right now and meditate on that. Or is it like you have kind of a plan of like reading the Bible chronologically or mm-hmm. like, what is the, what is the meta kind of schedule right. that you, right. yeah. you operate out of? Yeah. I always try and have a plan because I, I think that, I think sometimes in in American Christianity we can kind of we can associate the Holy Spirit moving with a kind of spontaneous thing which he does. Yeah. But I think I mean the Holy Spirit also moves in the planning of things to go about a certain way because he dwells inside of us and he is impacting how we how we live and how we do anything and as we grow in holiness because of his working in our heart there's just as much Holy Spirit working and coming up with a plan for what, what you're going to read or what you're going to do, just as much as there's a there's the Holy Spirit moving in a spontaneous way in this specific time. Right. And so I'm open to the to the spontaneous, like, oh, I need to read this right now. But most of the time, I have a plan beforehand. And I, you know, sometimes that is, like right now I am reading the Bible chronologically. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of that, I say I'm reading the Bible right now chronologically. But I've taken a break from reading the Bible chronologically to read through John for no other reason other than I'm, like I said, in being interested in the sovereignty of God. One of those aspects is the sovereignty of God in salvation and how mm-hmm. we're saved. And John, specifically John 3 and John 6, talk a lot about what it means that the Lord knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. And mm. I, I call who the whom the Father has given to me and I will not lose one. And and so there's a lot wrapped up in that. Yeah. And so I stopped to read John and, and read it much slower than I probably normally would. And so I've been listening to a lot of podcasts here recently and, and, and reading some different articles on a practice of, of meditatively reading the Bible, mm-hmm. which was done a whole lot more in the last 2000 years of, of Christian church history, at least than I have done it in my life. Right. And so and so I stopped and I, I probably read a chapter right now of John a day and it's reading the different, you know, blocks of text mm-hmm. three, four, five times, seeing what sticks out. Why does that stick out? Praying through that. And then my, my kind of overarching practice is read the Bible and pray back to God what you read in the Bible. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it, if, if it's man, God is so big based on what this is, then it's, it's a, it's a prayer of praise. Thank you for, for this. Thank you for this. God, you are this, you are glorious. You're magnificent. You Mm -hmm. are, thank you for saving me, all these kinds of things. And if it's convicting, it's a, it's a prayer of, you know, change, change my heart, God work, work my heart that I might not lose sight of this or convict me, Lord, that, that I'd grow holier. Yeah. And that kind of, again, ties back into, in the systematic way of, of thinking about theology and how that intersects with the church, I, th- I think, again, the church in, in the West, in America, talks a lot about justification and being justified, mm-hmm. rightly so. And sometimes we don't talk enough about sanctification and being made holy in mm-hmm. the Lord. Yeah. And so I want to 
I want to live a holy life because Christ bought my holy life on the cross. Right. And Ephesians 2.10 says that all your good works have been laid up for you in heaven to walk in. Mm-hmm. So every, every good thing that you do on the earth, everything that you do that glorifies God on the earth has already been set up for you in heaven to walk in and the Holy Spirit indwells you that you can walk in it. Right. And so when I, when I read verses like that and I read verses like 1 Corinthians 6.20 where it says we're bought with a price, so live, live like you've been bought by the blood right. of the cross. It's like- How can you not? Yeah, yeah. my life is not my own. My actions are not my own. Yeah. My, I, I am here to glorify God with my body on the earth to the best of my ability. And, and the Holy Spirit will work in my heart to help me do that. Yeah. And so that's why I, I kind of do my quiet times that way is because I, or at least I'm taking a break from the, reading, the chronological you know, three, four or five chapters chronologically yeah. is because I felt like I had gotten in a, in a habit of, of reading and not taking the time to, to think about it, which is easier to do in the old Testament because it's a so lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah but there's a lot of beauty in those stories if you'll that's slow true. down. And so that's kind of what, what I'm doing now at this point. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had similar experiences here recently, at least in, ha- in recording these, these episodes. I mean, we've talked about, I think we've talked more about the old Testament in these episodes <laughs> of the series than in the new Testament, which, yeah. you know, when I, when I read the Bible, like I would much rather read the new Testament because I feel like it's yeah. more applicable, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, grasp, yeah, sure. it's easier to grasp. It's the very instructive, like this is how you should be living your life. Whereas right. you're right. The, the old Testament is so much more historical, right. but in these conversations, I found that we've been drawing parallels right. to those old Testament stories. I know it's a little sneak preview because this episode hasn't gone out yet, but JT and I talked a lot about, Abraham, right? And how we saw like Abraham moments in our life, right? Lives, plural, you know, things like that, or the Israelites, or like Moses leading, or whatever. Like that has come out a lot more than the kind of the New Testament side of the Bible in these conversations. And what's interesting to me is that in the last five minutes of you talking, you you've quoted basically exclusively the new Testament, right? John and Ephesians and first Corinthians. And within that, my, like, I just loved kind of the, the thing you said about Ephesians two ten, because to me, like Ephesians eight through 10 is like the biggest paradox to me ever. You're talking about Romans? No, Ephesians 2, 8 through oh, 10. Two, 8 through 10. Yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry, sorry. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. No, nah. <laughs> uh, the verses, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 yeah, yeah, to yeah. me is like the biggest paradox ever right, because right. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for it is by grace you've been saved right, right. through faith. And this is not of your works. It is the right. free gift of God. Or for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the free gift of God, not by works so that right. no man can boast. Right. Ephesians nine is not by work so that no man can boast. And then two, nine, and then chapter, chapter two, verse 10, literally turns around and says, you have been created to do good works. Right. Right. So you're like, wait, how do these, how do, how do these two ideas marry? And it's, I mean, full disclosure, it's Ephesians two, eight through nine is my favorite Bible verse ever. Out of the entire Bible. I have a lot of really like ones that are high on that list, but Ephesians two, eight through nine, I've had memorized since I was six. Yeah. And to this day is still 
at the top of that list. But like, it's that idea of just, you're right. Like these two seem totally in contrast to each other, paradoxical, but they're not right. What it's saying is we don't earn our salvation by our works, but it's because of our salvation that we do the good works. Right. It's the idea of like, we don't earn our way to heaven. We do these things out of obedience. Right. Right. hundred percent. Because we want to be Christ followers. We want to model Jesus's life as best we can. And of course we're all going to make mistakes. We're all sinners and we're not perfect, but that's where the process of sanctification comes in is right. It's the, you know, being convicted by the Holy spirit of like the sin or whatever, and then getting into that and, like bringing that to God and confessing right. that and asking for forgiveness and, and receiving that forgiveness, knowing full well that he already knew about the sin before you were even thought of right. by your parents. Right. right. That like he knew everything you were going to do both right. good and bad. And he's already forgiven the bad and set you set you up to achieve the good. Right. 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 And that's the, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about this subject a whole lot here lately because of the way that Ephesians two ten. 1 Corinthians 6.20 and then 1 Corinthians 10.31 correlate, which is 10.31 is whether you eat or drink, whatever mm-hmm. you do, glorify God in your body. And so that what, what that verse 10.31 is breaking down is whether you eat or drink, meaning the smallest things that you do in a day, either if he's commanding you to, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do and the smallest things that you do, glorify God, then there's a way to eat and drink that do not glorify God. Yeah. With the point of the verse being, Every moment of our lives either glorify God, glorifies God or it does not. And that can sound daunting because it's like, man, I got to watch out for everything in my life. Am I, am I glorifying right. God? Am I not? But like you said, the beauty of, of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is that he's there to help you do that, right? That's Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for the, it, it is the Lord who is willing or working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And, and so it's this idea that Every moment in your life either glorifies God or it does not. But the Holy Spirit is working in your heart to to live in such a way that it glorifies God. Yeah. And yet you can also be just as upfront and honest with yourself and say, "Hey, is this is this glorifying God?" And so I mean I mean full transparency with me, the way that that is convicting me lately is that is is my my family has a a long history of of being overweight and having heart problems and obesity mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so what I've been trying to figure out is, is what do, what do I have to understand in my life to, to eat better and live better? And so my, my going to the gym got consistent because it was necessary to do that, to wake up enough to read the Bible in the morning. Mm-hmm. So as I started to love the Lord more, I realized I can't, I can't get up. And then just immediately read the Bible. My mind is not. It's not <laughs> You're like I'm not up. functioning yet. Yeah, no. Especially, yeah. I try to get up pretty early so that no one's awake, so I'm everything's quiet, and because I'm too, yeah. my mind goes a thousand different places. But I realize that okay, I need to do something in the mornings. I need to work out. I'll do that. So that got consistent because it was connected to the Bible, reading the mm. Bible. Interesting. Um, and so what I've been trying to rack my brain to figure out and read scripture, trying to figure out is what can I connect to eating habits that is going to make it so that I'm have better eating habits. Right. Because I don't want to, you know, my grandfather died when he was 50 of a heart attack 
And I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, I, I want to be around a long time, a long time for my wife and my future kids and yeah. to live on mission to spread the gospel. And that does not include Lord willing, you know, he, he might take me earlier and that's okay. It doesn't include me dying at 50. And so, right. and so the, the way that I've been thinking about through all this is, is kind of what we've been talking about, which is whatever I eat, it either glorifies God or it does not. And that doesn't, it doesn't have to be a debilitating thing because the Holy Spirit you know, works to make those easier to do yeah. and, and to make them more clear, I guess, mm-hmm. because, you know, food, neither good nor bad, just. It's a necessity. It's right. Right. And so it's been, how, how does, how does all of this truth, how does all this theology, how does it, why does it matter that God has laid up all our good works in heaven before the foundation of the earth was set? Well, it matters because we're called to live holy and, yeah. and we want to live holy. And so, in, in all of this talk of, of systematic theology and drawing parallels and, and the importance of the Old Testament and the New Testament, it, it brings me back to how do I glorify God with my body yeah. as best that I can in, in, the, in the will that I have. Especially since, you know, it does say that your body is a temple. Right, 100%. Right. But it's things, like, where like, it's things like that where I read it and I'm like, that's awesome. And I don't really... I don't know why it doesn't, it, it never clicked. Like yeah. I, I know the verse, I was told the verse over and over and it's like, I don't really, I don't quite get what exactly you mean by that or what that means or how that works yeah. or what's the importance of that. Yeah. But that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't affect what you do unless it's tied to something that you love. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it would be weird. You know, someone would probably tell me I have a poor marriage if I talk to my wife every other day for 35 minutes. I don't, I don't think yeah. it would be very, I don't think it would be very healthy. Right. And yet we have this, you know, because we focus so much on justification and, and it's your, your relationship with God isn't works-based and all of that is true. I, I never yeah, want to yeah, say yeah. that's not true, but we act like, or we wonder why we have this disconnection with the Lord and we feel unhappy and we feel depressed. And as a, as a society, we feel as anxious as we do. Right. And we look at Christians and, and they don't feel any better. Right. Christians, quote unquote, you know, the whole scheme of, of the church in the, America. The big C church. Right, right. And then we're, we're only, you know, people are only reading their Bibles, praying, talking with the Lord 30 minutes every other day. And yeah. that's not me saying that I'm any better or this person that reads the Bible three hours every single day is, is better or holier not. Yeah. than, yeah, that's not the point. The point is more, the truth of the matter is if you love if you, you talk to your wife because you love your wife. Right. And, and you genuinely want to be around exactly, her. Exactly. Exactly. And if, if we are the bride of Christ and the Lord has, in his providence, given us the scriptures and given us prayer and revealed himself to us, mm-hmm. but we don't talk to him, we don't pray, we don't read the scriptures, we don't, we don't care enough to do that, then... That I mean, that's the answer to the yeah. Why why is everyone anxious? Yeah, and and I've had that thought too. As you were talking, is it's like because I mean, one, it's no secret. Like you look at American society, and we are incredibly anxious. We're incredibly depressed. There's 100%. a whole ton of mental illness right. coming out right now, and like all of that stem and all, all of that stems one from not spending time with God, right, and. That's kind of the main point I'll get to here in a second. Yeah. But it's also because we are incredibly busy. Right. Right. Like you're quoting the statistic, like 
the average American Christian, whatever, is spending 30 minutes a day every other day. Right. Right. Oh, I don't. Th- I don't think that's the average. <laughs> I'm just. Whatever. I threw out a number. I, okay. I bet it's less Some than arbit- that. It, it, I would. That's I would, probably I would true. But even within that, it's like even if, like that was the role model was thirty minutes a day every other day. Right. Like you're right. One, nobody would call your marriage healthy if that was right. if that was the case. But within that, it's like because we're not making time. hundred percent. Right. One of my favorite books that I've ever read. That is nonfiction because let's be real. I don't like nonfiction books, but this one, like I actually made a point to read this book like consistently from cover to cover to make sure I got through it, which I have a TBR list of books that's a mile high. Right. And And I've started like seven of them. Right. But this one was called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by mm-hmm. John Mark Comer. Right. And within that, he and Jeff, Jefferson Bethke have their own little podcast of right. six or seven episodes about the ideas of this and Jeff's similar book. And within, like, within this book, like the whole point of it is we burn out because we don't know how to stop. Right. We True. don't know how to be comfortable in the silence, right. in the solitude, in a Sabbath, right? Like right. how many Americans actually Sabbath, right? Right. And I'm talking about like not just going to church on a Sunday. I mean, legitimately like a 24 hour period every single week where right. you do nothing, right? right? No chores, no job, no whatever, like yeah. nothing productive, yeah. right? Be- but that's one of the commandments, Right. Yeah. It's one of the 10 commandments is to remember the Sabbath by keeping right. it holy. Right? right. Holy means set apart. Right. So my thought there is, it's like, what, what would our society look like right. if we as a society practiced a right. Sabbath? Right. right. Instead of this whole like ruthless pursuit of money or greed or whatever your selfish yeah. ambition is. Right. But what if we as a society actually like intentionally stopped for 24 hours every week and maybe, you know, and that doesn't necessarily have to be everybody stops on Sunday and there's no businesses open or whatever, because I mean, I've had this experience in the sense that like I work at my church, right? Right. Sunday is not a Sabbath for me. I work on a, on a Sunday. Yeah. Most people Sabbath on Sunday and go to church and that's part of their, their Sabbath rhythm. And that's great. Yeah for somebody who works in the church, that doesn't really work. Right. So I have to find a different way to Sabbath and the pastors in my church are the same way. We don't Sabbath on Sunday. Right. Most of my pastors actually Sabbath on Friday, right. Friday to Friday to Saturday, somewhere in there. And for me, my rhythm has in this past school year, just because of the way my schedule laid out was my Sabbath started at 2 PM on Sunday after church got out Mm -hmm. and that was the consistent 24 hour block of 2 PM Sunday to 2 PM Monday when I went to work on at forerunner, right. which sounds weird in the sense of like, well, it's, you're still working on both of those days. Right. But again, you got to remember like my jobs are part-time jobs. And right. so I do have that 24 hour rhythm. And what I would do is I would, there's a local church in Dallas called upper room. I would go to their prayer set at noon on Monday mm-hmm. as my quote unquote church service, yeah. right? As I would go to that prayer set, it's two hours and I would go and I would get to worship and pray and commune with God. 
in addition to, of course, those daily rhythms, right? right? right. That, of course, I'm not perfect at. And yeah. actually, full disclosure, the last few months have been a little bit drier in that, but yeah. that's what discipleship is for. And that's right. why I meet with my pastor, one of my pastors, every other week on Monday yeah. to for discipleship. And yeah. we get lunch and we talk through, like, Right. what's going on in my life yeah, and why yeah discipleship is hugely important and one yeah. would argue that mentor mentoring is really just a form of discipleship yeah right agreed so it's just a little more structured yeah <laughs> but yeah what like that's my thought is it's just like what would happen if our if american society and really the world society you know yeah. a, on a global scale right like what would our lives look like if we actually practiced a a Sabbath. Right. And then within that is the other part of that thought of this whole fear and anxiety and depression and mental illness and all that. Right. You had said something along the lines of it wouldn't necessarily exist if like, if you were commun, if you had a healthy relationship with the father. Right. right. And my thought process there is, well, yeah, because of the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like, for sure. I mean, the first three fruits of the spirit listed are love, joy, and peace. Right, right. Right. No, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, which are the exact opposites of what we're seeing right now of hatred, hatred, depression, and anxiety. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if the first three fruits of the spirit are love, joy, and peace, how do you get the fruits of the spirit? Well, you get the fruits of the spirit by spending time in the spirit. Right. So I think that just emphasizes at least to me, like the importance of a daily healthy relationship with God. Right. right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that that's the, that's the key thing. That's the, and kind of tying it back to, to forerunner and the boys, the, the thing that I hope after all is said and done and they go off into high school and, and college and live their lives and do their thing. What I hope is pressed upon them is that spending time with the Lord is important. Yeah. He's worth thinking about. And even if you have questions and you don't have answers and you need help getting answers to these big, really difficult questions that come with faith and, and believing in the Lord and trusting in him. Which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. No, no. You should absolutely yeah, be asking ask the questions. questions. People have the answers. That's another encouragement. These, the big questions that everyone brings up when bringing about like, you know, what, why, do, why does this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? What, why, you know, how does all of that, these big problem of evil questions. Yeah. People have very good answers and have had very good answers to these questions for thousands of years. But with the boys, it's like, and connected to anxiety and depression and all that mental health, these mental health ideas, because I don't think they're going away anytime soon, unfortunately, yeah. is that as they grow up, that the the way to seek refuge for those things is in the Lord. And, and a big reason that we have so many issues with all of those things in America and, and in, in the world in general is because no one's turning or most people are not turning to the Lord to answer these, answer these problems. Right. You know, it's what can I take? What medication can I, can I take? What can I look at? And I'm again, not, not hating on medication at all. Anything like, you know, I, I have friends, family members very close to me who need genuinely need those things right. uh, because of, hormone deficiencies and, and different things like that. And so that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. What I am talking about is like the I quick fix, right? The quick fix. I don't, you know, most people are probably not actually dealing with anxiety in a, in that, that need a kind of medical healing 
from anxiety. They're not dealing um, with a hormone deficiency. Right, They're dealing right. with a, a Jesus deficiency. Right. No, exactly. Because I, I don't, you know, I think most people don't know that there's another way to get yeah. to feel peace and that there's another way to, to feel joy and that those things don't come from being self-sufficient. Right. There's an amount of, you know, loving the Lord and, and giving him your life requires you to let go of an amount of autonomy in your life. Yeah. And so I, I want the boys as they grow up to, to hopefully hear from all of the coaches at some point that when things are going badly or you feel badly or friends feel badly, family, you know, these things are going poorly. You're asking difficult questions like why, you know, why would my, why would God let my father leave? Or why would, why would God let these things happen? Yeah. That the answer is not to, to run away from those questions. And the answer is not to throw away God and your relationship with him Yeah, because you have hard questions, but to, to diligently seek those answers, know that they're there and then trust the Lord to, to present those, those answers to you and, and help you through that. Yeah. And I would even say to bring those questions to the Lord, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think God ever would get sad or hurt or angry or whatever. If by you asking a question, yeah, no. Right. You know, I think there's been, I, I mean, I, I think I know there's been a lot of times in my life where I've gone, God, like this is happening and I don't understand. Right. I don't know what your plan is. I don't understand. I mean, I'm still going to trust you because right. I know that just in, in the things that I've, I've witnessed in a part of my testimony, like that have worked out, you know, I trust you, right. but I don't understand. Right. Right. And those have been some of the sweetest moments where he's like, he's really met me there. Right. And been like, you know, it's okay that you don't understand. Right. Exactly. This is your next step. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Habakkuk three, there's a, like the whole three chapters of Habakkuk are effectively, there's all of these terrible things happening to Israel (laughs) and a, an unrighteous pagan nation is trampling over Israel. Yeah. And Habakkuk is saying, why are you letting them, those unholy pagan people, right. destroy us? Why, why are you de- why are you letting them destroy us when we are your people? Mm-hmm. And God gives many different answers, or not many different answers, but the answer of I'm going to deal with them, so I I will be just. They will they will reap their benefit, or they will reap their their judgment. Right. But I'm judging you right now through them. But there's a beautiful part at the end, Habakkuk three seventeen and eighteen, where it says something to the effect of there are no, there are no animals in the stable. There are no fruit on the trees, but I will trust in the Lord with that whole thing being like, what he's effectively saying is it looks like I'm going to die because if you don't have any animals in the stables, you don't have any, any meat to eat. If there are no fruit on the trees, you don't have any fruit or vegetables to eat. There is no food, right? There's no food. It it sure looks like I'm going to die, Yeah, but I will trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's the, again, the beauty of the Old Testament is that those stories abound over and over and over again, where it's so much of the Old Testament. And my, the way that I kind of see it is, is it, it shows the nature of the Lord in a way that the, the New Testament definitely does that as well in, in a different way. But there's so much, so many stories of I'm, God, God saying, I am going to take care of you. Trust me to take care of you yeah. and abide by my words. And so it's just, I, like we've been talking about, I think so many of so many of the difficulties difficulties that we face today would be fixed if if we 
trust a better it. understanding of the Lord and trusted yeah. that that his promises are good. He's going to he's going to make good on his promises. Yeah. And I think one of the cool things is that we're in the unique position to be able to model that for our boys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And of course there are some like fuzzy lines in that in terms of like how personal do you get with your mentee right. in an after school mentoring program. Right. But you know, it's it's like some of the I, some of the coolest conversations that I've had were the ones where I was like super candid with with the right. kids, right? right? And like that sparked questions from them about things that they didn't understand or things that they're experiencing that they're like, oh wait, Coach Josh actually knows right. what we're what I'm going through. Like I can right. talk to him about this kind of thing, right? And going that goes kind of back to we haven't talked about it on this podcast but i have in other episodes the idea of like seeing that seeing myself in them and then asking myself in those moments like what do i wish i had at that time and then being able to meet that right it's it's that kind of thing and then getting to do that right we get to model what living for christ looks like we get to model what being a man of god looks like we get to model all of these different things that right. we're trying to help them fulfill their potential. Right. Right. And we do that by setting the example and being that consistent presence in their life that they don't have. Right. right. And I think that in order to do that effectively, you need to be, I'm going to use this word. I don't like the way it sounds, but strong in your faith, right. Consistent right. in, in your spiritual disciplines and, right you know, not just talking to God for 30 minutes every other day, but that it becomes an active daily part of your life. And the other thing that I've noticed with that is, let me ask you this, the more time you spend with Cheyenne, do you love her more or less? Yeah, more. Obviously, right? Right. The more you spend with, the more time you spend with her, the more you love her. Right. And the less time you spend with her, probably you start to, like that, that relationship starts to deteriorate. Yeah. I would argue that it's the same thing with God. It's the more time you spend with right. him, the more it no longer feels like a chore, right. right? This thing of like, oh, I need to do this because I know I need to do this, but it becomes less of that mindset and more of a desire, right? right. You know, more of a like, I genuinely love the Lord. I genuinely want to be in his presence. I genuinely want to do these things. I know I had not this past school year, but our first year, I had a conversation with a kid at the very end of program one day. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I'm going to church. I think our, I think our church was doing, it was either life group, which for me is a, a small community group within, yeah. my, within our church in the, on Wednesday, or it may have been Jesus, Jesus hour, which I forget which, but Jesus hour at a church at the time, they don't do it anymore, was an hour the first Thursday of every month where it was just worship and prayer, right? Yeah. You'd come in, the church was open, the band was up playing, and it was kind of, it was planned in the sense of like, this is the order of what we're doing and we're going to pray into these key prayer points. But it was an hour specifically of just coming and slowing down and being with the Lord. And so I told this kid, I was like, I'm going to church. And he's was very confused. He was like, I thought church was on Sundays (laughs) or for us, I thought church was on Friday because we do church at forerunner. Right. And I was like, I would be at church every single day if I could. Mm. Right. I was like, if, if I could work out my schedule 
where I didn't actually have to work for a living (laughs) and make money to pay for my life, which again, like I'm not a lover of money. I have two part-time jobs, right? I don't, I'm never going to get rich doing this and I'm okay with that. Right. I was like, if I could work out my schedule where I could go spend an hour or two every single day at a church with God, I would. Yeah. Right. And I can only imagine like the impact that had on him. Mm. You know, I'm still waiting to see the fruit of that, (laughs) but I'm, I'm still praying consistently for him and just praying that he has the same radical encounter with the Lord and has just a a deep innate sense of who God is. Right. right? So that he gets to the point where he no longer says he's a Christian and is still trying to figure out what that means, but like knows what Christianity is actually about and is actively desiring to spend time with the Lord as opposed to it feeling like a chore that coach Josh is making him do for 10 minutes. Right in the middle of program. Like we're talking about 10 minutes, right? We're not even at 30 minutes every other day. We're at 10 minutes a day. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think it, I was reading a study or statistic the other day that was from a a study in the early two thousands. And one of the, one of the statistics was that nearly 70% of kids whose fathers are, whose fathers are strongly involved in the church will mm-hmm. continue in the faith of their father. Yeah. Which tells me two things, which is one of those is that that kids really want to be like their dads, which is I think is is plain for most people to see. Yeah. But a thing that I didn't I didn't recognize the idea that that the father really is is he's leading the way for his family. And so at Forerunner with us trying to in some way play a part of a father in a very limited capacity, right. but in a capacity nonetheless, is, hey, walk how I walk, do do what I do. Here's why I do that. Mm-hmm. Here's why you should do it. And so I think that so, so much of my time with the boys is is doing my best to think about, okay, what what does this action portray to this boy? Yeah. You know, I only have this limited amount of time. How can I be of the most function in three hours to this boy that I see Monday through Friday throughout the school year. And, and it's, it's, it's difficult in the sense that, you know, I think most of their day they're in school. Right. And with my wife being a teacher, I get some, some stories, some stories about some kids. And And I'm sure we have stories about kids. Right. But she kind of lets me on or lets me on to what, what are the popular things? Mm, so the, she's the one that keeps you hip. right. Right. Okay. I am not, I am not on social media much. And so I'm very, I, I don't know what's really going on in pop culture, quote unquote, but, but she lets me know what the kids are kind of up to. And that helps me. It also helps me at forerunner because they're like, I have a better understanding or grip of what kids are talking about, but kids are just inundated with the worst things mm-hmm. all day long, every day. Like I don't, these kids uh, yeah. have smartphones and they can get on TikTok and they can see the worst things that they have ever seen on TikTok. And then, and then they come to Forerunner and they talk about those things. And then it's like, man, I got, I got to try and figure out how, how, I'm, how, to how, respond. I, right, yeah. how do I respond to this thing that I barely understand what they're talking about. And then number two, it sure seems like it's, you know, sinful in nature. And so, so much of our job is, or so much, especially this last year, I had 
probably five or six different conversations about TikTok and about pornography and about oh wow like just with fourth and fifth graders right right yeah because they're like affect they're they're seeing it on their phones yeah and so I think that I'm I'm trying to have more more upfront you know you kind of said how how close do you get to the boundary yeah of, it's of, hard of talking too much or saying too much or getting too wrapped up in a in a in a relationship with a boy that you like he's not getting this anywhere else so right I need to say it. And that line becomes hard when you, it became hard for me this last year as I watched the boys and realized like, realized they are inundated with, with things that are going to destroy them and they don't know because they're in fourth and fifth grade. Right. They Um, don't have the wisdom. Right. And, and they're, they can see it all day, every day for most of the day, except Mm -hmm. when they're at forerunner. But what are you, you know, what are you supposed to do? And, and a lot of that has looked like, Man, I just gotta have more straightforward conversations because yeah, stop dancing no, around right, it. There's no, just, there's no way to just talk about oh lust and 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 we treat women well, which is true. You know, battle lust, treat women well. If you have a high view of women, you're gonna have a better time battling lust. But the the kind of dancing around that that you know yeah, we keep happened, it metaphorical, right? Right. We keep it in this super thirty thousand foot right high level like right we're throwing around these words of lust and, and love and the difference and right. having, you know, honoring women with our words and actions and things like that. But we don't like bring that down to their level right. of this is, this like, is what we're talking. This about. is what we're talking right. about. This is right. the, this is the application of our right. words. Right. And I know like in the junior high, we've, like that's been a focus of mine over the last two years since I got hired. I like one of the focuses for me has been bringing in conversations around sex and love and lust and porn and all of that into the junior high. Right. Right. And so like, that's like, that's been part of my story. And so in my mind, I was like, they're, they're hitting, they're at the, the, the age in which that became a, a thing in my life. Right. right. And I have been able in, in recent years to kind of trace that back to like, okay, this is why this happened and this right. is how this happened. So now how do I like, one of those things was that I had nobody to actually have a conversation with me about right. it. Right? right. And so now I'm like, how do I be that person? Right. right. But also how do I be that person without crossing that boundary of getting too personal in my, or about my own Right, life and testimony and, and walk and that kind of thing, but still having that point blank conversation with them of like, this is what I'm talking about. Right. And this year it even got more into that or it, it went farther into that in the sense of Stephen asked at one point at the beginning of the spring semester, our executive director, like right. I was up in the office with the full-time staff just kind of hanging out or whatever. Right. And I was telling him about some of the plans for program. I think this was like the end of January that this happened. Gotcha. And he's like, I'm just going to be brusque. When are we going to talk with the boys about sex? (laughs) Man, that's a... (laughs) And I was like, funny you should ask that because it's in our, it's in our schedule for Valentine's day. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I think unfortunately that keeps the, the age that they get inundated with that stuff. It gets pushed back more and more. And like you were saying, or when you sound when you sounded surprised of like, oh, the boys in fourth or fifth grade are are needing to be talked to about this. It's like, yeah, unfortunately, yes. And and that's why you know in this conversation of where's the line and how far do you how how directly do you put all this stuff? Unfortunately, the church has been pretty like behind. Yeah, mainstream culture, like at, at least a year. I think it's probably more. Oh yeah, but where like for sure. culture gets more and more in your face, and the church is 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 slowly trailing, and so we're at this place where the culture is so incredibly in your face about everything, about sex and perversion and sin and all of this stuff is they're so incredibly direct at this point, and the church is still trying to do the thing with children's ministry where. Where it's like, hey, let's dance around this stuff, and let's kind of, you know, we want to, yeah. we want them to get it without us having to talk about it. And it's, I think we're just getting to a point where it's like, we need to be yeah. very direct and very honest because because we because the there, culture yeah, is there's doing nothing that. else to do, right? Um, and and so you know, to. for for twenty years, the the American church has been in this programmatic thing where kids are split off from their parents mm-hmm. and their family and they have their own ministry and their own stuff. And it's led by these people and they do these things. And what it does is the kids are, the kids aren't getting the same teaching as their parents and the parents don't know how to discuss things with their kids. And so there's a disconnect Yeah, and the parents don't know, or they're hoping that their kid isn't looking at the stuff that they're looking at on their phone. And so they're not having those conversations. Yeah. And so it just, it's, it, I think we're getting to a point where it's like, if we want to combat the inundation of of sin that the boys are pressed with at school, yeah, then we we need to we need a more direct plan. Right. We uh, just need a point blanket and be like, right. look, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like th- this, this is, is going how to destroy your life. If you if you get addicted to pornography, it's going to affect every aspect Everything. of your life until you get until you get through that. Yeah. And and a lot of men never get through that and they're, you know. Yeah. They're 50 something year old men looking at pornography while they're married and and, it's and feeling terrible about it and Yeah, like the the statistic that I've heard over the last few years is that it's something like somewhere between 60 and 75% of men in the church struggle with unwanted sexual behavior and that could be porn, that could be masturbation, that could be strip clubs, prostitutes, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's unwanted sexual behavior. But Man. one that factors in all of the demographics, the age range of eighteen to right. of eighteen to eighty nine thousand years old, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the other statistic is that it's not just a men's problem anymore, right? Mm. It's not yeah. just men that are addicted to sex. It is the the other statistic. I think it's about thirty three, somewhere between thirty three and forty five percent of women. Mm are also struggling with unwanted sexual behavior. Yeah. And when you throw in the idea of love addiction, right? Not necessarily sex, but the being addicted to love, that right. number goes much higher for women. Yeah. Right. So it's no longer, I think, I think churches get into this disservice for their congregations of one, not having these conversations, right. Not having some kind of ministry yeah. to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But right. two, like, making it just, even if they do have a ministry, having it focused solely on men, I think is not resolving the, the problem, yeah. right? Because it's no longer just a male problem. It yeah. It is across the genders. It's across age groups. It's, it's across things. It is 
one of hell's number one tactics for destroying the church. Yeah. Right. And so within that, I think you're right. Like one, we're doing a disservice to our church by not having ministries for both men and women by focusing solely on the men. But two, I think because hell is being so direct about this, we actually need to be equally as direct. Mm -hmm. Right. So both within the church and, and having programs and having conversations and your training parents to pour into the kids, but then that can go through auxiliary services like forerunner mentoring, where our, our goal is to like fill or to essentially fill in the role of a parent without being a parent. Let's be, let's be clear. Mentors are not parents and fill in that role and still be willing to have those conversations. And so I think there needs to be equipping both within the church, but also within the auxiliary organizations that are still interacting with kids where they conversations around God's vision for sex and things like that have happened need to happen. And so that's been a, been kind of a focus of mine for the last couple of years since getting hired at forerunner. And this year it culminated where we like, we talked with, or we brought in a guest speaker who leads recovery groups at a local church and he had a, com- a very point blank conversation with our junior high students about sex That's and awesome. lust and yeah. pornography and masturbation yeah. and all of those things. And part of that was me having to write a, a letter to all of the parents right. of our kids because it felt like I was the one who had been pushing for this. So it kind of fell on me to write this letter. And right. so I drafted this very long letter to send to email out to all of the parents. Right about, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what will be in the conversation. This is, you know, everything so that they, so that mom knew because we want to honor mom. Right. Right. For sure. So man, this has just been a fire conversation with just, yeah, not, not at all what we were planning for today, (laughs) but that's okay. Hey, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. Like I I love these conversations. So I do want to hit the one last question just because it is the title of the podcast. We've kind of hinted at it a little bit already in the episode, but Holden, why, why do you mentor? Why do you show up? Why do you come to forerunner pour into the boys, be there every day, be that consistent presence? Like what is your, why that gets you there? Right. Essentially it's because I wish I had a, an older male figure in my life when I was K through six age range Mm -hmm. who would have told me, that suffering is not is not synonymous with the Lord not caring about you or not loving mm, you or good. or punishing you for sin or leaving his hands tied behind his back in heaven can't do anything about it. I wish that I had had an older man who explained to me that the Lord loves me and cares for me and that everything that's going on in your life is for the purpose of growing you into the man that that he wants you to be so that you can glorify him mm-hmm. forever. And so I hope that in my mentoring at forerunner and anytime in the future, that, that I can be the person that I had hoped I had when I was younger, who could have led me to some of the conclusions that I've come to today, but way before all of the, the sadness and heartache yeah. and depression that I went through as a, as a middle school, high school, college age person. Gotcha. So you basically want to be the person that can point 
the students in the age range that are dealing with the things that you were dealing with, you can point them back to Jesus right. and help foster their security in their identity in him. 100%. That's, that's yeah, well oh, put. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Amen. Holden, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, it's thank you. it's been a blast. I've loved it. It's yeah. been kind of an adventure with some construction going on in the in the studio. Yeah. Apparently that's the theme because Caitlin's yeah. episode has the same issue. Yeah. But do you have any final words of encouragement for our lister- listeners? I know you got to have something. Yeah, I mean, you've got yeah, like, all, we've mean, talked about all kinds of biblical <laughs> truths today. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if I were going to say anything, it would be love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and trust that He is going to take care of you, and that in the midst of whatever you're going through, whether that be depression or anxiety like we were talking about, or trying to find a new job, or, or you know, anything in life, the Lord has all of your days ordained for you before you've ever been born, and He knows what tomorrow brings, and He is He's guiding you, and He is guiding your life, so trust in that. I love that. Just trust the Lord will provide. Yeah. Trust the Lord will be good to you. Yes. Yes. Because the Lord loves you. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And you can rest secure in that. I love that. Just trust him. Yeah. Well, listener, if you have missed everything in this last, I don't even know how long this has been, an hour, hour and a half, somewhere in there episode, if you haven't listened to any of it, like you need to just hit rewind and start over because there's just so much, so many good things are in this episode. But if you've missed all of that, I'm going to leave you with this. You can mentor. See you next week.